welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today our guest is Matthew Neems. Matthew is a Victorian state manager at All Lift Forklifts and Access Equipment and first joined the industry seven years ago after moving back to Australia following playing professional soccer in England. While moving up the ranks in Orlift, Matthew also started his own company called Brain Play Performance Management, where he helps professional athletes and individuals through developmental coaching. Matthew, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you got into the equipment rental industry? Yeah, Mark, firstly, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate you reaching out. I think it's awesome uh, what you're doing. Yeah, really excited to share <clears throat> my experience getting into the industry. So I was overseas playing um, professional soccer for a few years. And uh, when it was time to come home, my good friend, Dean Kretschmer, reached out to me, who is now managing director of all the forklifts. And he said, you, you want a place to stay? You know, he had a, a room spare in Collaroy where um, Nicholas Mobbs moved out of, who's now coincidentally our Queensland manager. And so um, I moved in with Dean uh, and he said, look, if you need a job, let me know. I need someone to spray paint some forklifts uh, in the back of the workshop in Rydalmeath. And so I landed on uh, Friday, the 6th of December, 2013, started work on the Monday and I haven't looked back. I, I spray painted the forklifts probably for about three to six months. Little did I know Dean had a, a bigger plan in mind, which was to get me into sales. But through that was doing some debt collection in the office. Uh, once I went into the office, did some debt collection, um, Mark Gillespie, who's now our New South Wales manager, he took me out on the road a few times just to show me, you know, how he does it, how he sells and, and how we do it as a company, you know, back then. And I literally haven't looked back. I got into sales. I had some personal goals and targets to achieve and I hit all them. The business was growing you know, 40, 50% year on year, which was, you know, crazy, crazy sort of growth. And three years of doing that, uh, I had the opportunity to move down into, uh, into Melbourne and um, start and grow the Melbourne branch, which I've done for the last four years. That's a really good story in terms of uh, getting a lending hand from somebody you know, to sort of give you an opportunity back home. So how did you meet Dean? Like, what was the association there? Dean and I went to school together. And my plan moving home was to start my own soccer academy, a goalkeeper academy, which is what uh, that was my, um, my my blood, sweat and tears, like I said before, for, for many, many years. And after playing overseas, I wanted to come home and, and still be in the game and, and, you know, start an academy and help as many goalkeepers as I can. Um, but then my plan was to work for all for about three to six months. Uh, and it's been, uh, it'll be eight years this year. Um, and I haven't looked back. It's just been one hell of a journey. What do they say? Once you get into it, you either love it or you hate it. And obviously you love it. That resonates hundred percent. I mean, it's love, hate, man. Some days, some days it's just like, wow, I've just been, I've had my ass kicked however many times, right? <clears throat> Machines late to site, machine broke down. They're site managers. They're just, you know, really, really because they got, they're, they're under a lot of pressure and I can see from their perspective what the importance of having a quality machine delivered. And when I first, when I, when I first started getting those, those calls, you know, years and years ago as a, as a sales rep, my instinct was to defend all lift and defend our brand, our product and, and the people that are, that are running the business. But 
after learning and growing a bit um, and, and becoming, a, I guess, a little bit wiser, I, I now jump in their shoes and see from their perspective and it's totally understandable. Maybe they don't need to call me what they call me uh, when it's actually not me, it's the machine, but you know, it's, we, we take it right as, as the, um, as the face of the business. So understanding their perspective is just, yeah, it's really helped me um, basically calm them down, resolve the situation and maintain a quality relationship rapport and, and a customer. You mentioned soccer overseas. So who were you playing for? And did that add any, I guess, mental stability in terms of what you brought back to working in, in more of a, a professional uh, work work environment rather than a, a sports environment? I was overseas. I played in England for two years. I played for Southport, a couple of different other clubs uh, in my journey to get to Southport. Um, Southport's in the Conference Premier League which is the last of the professional leagues. Um, there's five professional leagues over there. But transferring the skill set and the, the, um, what I've learned from sport and soccer specifically and taking that into the business world, I think gave me a massive leg up. <clears throat> and um, I, I work with athletes now in, in uh, my side business, which we'll probably get to. And, and some of them struggle to see that the, the resilience, the commitment, the sacrifice, the, the work ethic, the ability to work within a team, rapport building, understanding people, like the dynamic of a team to achieve goals and targets, they, don't, they, they discount all of that and say, well, I've only played soccer my whole life. How can I go to business? And so having experienced using my skill set from sport and transferring it directly to business, I think helped me massively you know, dealing with customers and dealing with conflict with, with, you know, people in the business. So yeah, hundred percent transferable. And I think a lot of the best sports teams in the world, you always see it's always built around the culture, like having the right mindset and the right teams and having the right drive and knowing when to push and when not to push. And I think when you know, we're going to go, you've got a team that's built around culture and you transfer that into a business and you, and you treat the business as, Hey, let, let's build this culture first it's a completely different type of organization when everyone's just out to get what they want just for themselves rather than work as a, as a unity. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree more with you, Mark, because um, with, I've experienced teams in, in the sporting world where the culture has been a one and we've won competitions, not easily, but we've won competitions consistently. Um, Blacktown city is the club I'm talking about in Sydney. And then I've been in other teams where there's, you know, a few players with experience and, you know, it, it's all about them. Other players are kind of left by the wayside and, and the, the, the dynamic, the culture, it just, it doesn't gel. It doesn't match. Not everyone's in it for the same reason. And so knowing that and, and having experience in that, I've brought that to, to my team that I look after in, in Melbourne, uh, which is a team of about 16 people now. And so you could say it's basically a soccer team, right? And um, there are some personalities that need to be looked at and managed. There's people that like a pat on the back. There's people that like a kick up the bum. There's people that uh, just like to be left alone to work autonomously. And so as, as the manager, as the, as the, the captain of that team, I, I use the skill set to see and read people as best as I can um, to cater for them and, and their best self. And my, my biggest belief around working in a team is that if everyone's being there, the best version of themselves they can be. And if I can help facilitate that, 
then they're going to perform at their best. They're going to work more efficiently without feeling any pressure or, or anything going on like that. Um, and then the end result will be, you know, meeting KPIs, hitting the budget, hitting targets. And at the end of the day, growing the business that we all want to grow. <clears throat> and it's almost contagious as well. When, when, like what you say, like being the best version of yourself. I think when you've got like somebody that's got a bad attitude, that can be sometimes contagious to other team members. When you've got someone that's constantly trying to be the best version of themselves and bring people up with them, that other people want to follow suit. So it's important to make sure you isolate the people that are poisonous to the team and figure out how you can help them while also maybe not excluding them out at the same time. 100% Mark. And, and that's, um, that's one thing that I actually focus on. Who is, who's underperforming and where can I help them? Um, who is, who's struggling? Um, who's not fitting into the team? Uh, and, and, and having a conversation with that person. And it's not a, it's not a, grilling, a grilling or a bollocking it's just having a conversation with that person to find out what's going on for them. Yeah, that's that's really good signs of a of a of a good manager because yeah, the stick doesn't always work. You need to sort of peel back the <laughs> onion and and figure out what's going on. Yeah, and and that kind of ties in with the um, the mindset stuff I've been doing with, with because I, I've experienced it myself. Hey, like playing soccer and and even even with all if they've last you know seven and a half years. Some days you come in and there's there's shit on your mind, <clears throat> and and if if there is, you know, I heard I heard the other day on a on another podcast um, from uh, Kerwin Ray, who's someone I, I look up to. I, I, I listen and watch to as much of his stuff as possible. I think he's got really great attitude. Um, what he does and how he says it is just really real. And um, his philosophy, which I've adopted, is bring your shit to work. Bring it to work because if you're gonna come to work and then try really, really hard not to let whatever it is from home uh, or your personal life distract you. You're trying all day and you're going to be a little bit or a lot less focused on your job. And so if there's shit going on, I said this to someone the other day in my team, bring it to work. Let's talk about it. Might take five minutes, might take 30 minutes, but let's talk about it at the start of the day. Get you sorted so you can go off and do your job. And that's in the best interest of the company. That person specifically but then the company and the results of the companies after. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I think you've got a really good example here that I really want to try and map out the blueprint for, for other people. So whether you're a professional athlete or whether you're in the army or whether you've dropped out of school or whether you don't know what, what you've gone on in your life, a lot of those sort of examples of people don't know what the path is for them. And you've sort of taken on, you've given that opportunity to, to paint the machines and, and you've mm. taken that by the horns and, and look where you are today. So it'd be great just to understand the path to where you, how you got there and the, the, the mental side of it on, on how you made sure that like you were doing the right thing and pushing ahead and, and what are some of the challenges that you were sort of faced along the way? Good question. Really good question. Um, grabbing, grabbing that, the opportunity, specifically painting the forklifts by the horns, I did, but I wouldn't say the results were, were the best. There were some bits where I oversprayed and it did kind of drip down a little bit. So they weren't, they weren't A1 quality jobs, but uh, I gave it my best. And, and that's, that, that's my belief, right? Whatever, whatever you can do, if you're giving it your best, you will get opportunities no matter what. It's just a matter of time. 
And um, when you get the opportunities, you're fucking ready because you've you've given it your all in in let's say phase one. And for me, spray painting, you know, I, I turned up, I worked, I, uh, I I worked all the way through the day as hard as I could. And then at the end of the day, I was happy with myself that I gave that that my effort and everything I can for the day. And that only lasted three or six months. Um, and then I had the opportunity to go in the office and do some debt collection because I've got experience doing that. And I gave that my all. And that only lasted about three months. And then the opportunity came for sales and I gave that my all. And next minute I'm running a, um, you know, quite a large branch, uh, a big business, um, about 500 machines in Melbourne. And, you know, I can remember and think back like yesterday, I was spray painting the forklifts, you know, but the challenges that I, um, that I experienced through that, it's more of a, from a business perspective, well, well, one thing is from the business perspective, keeping up with the demand and the growth of the business. Because as, as our business grew, we had to adopt um, new strategies, new processes and procedures regularly, like a lot of the time. And now we're at a point, you know, we're, we're, we're a national company. We've got four branches. We've got two dealerships. Um, you know, the business is more than quadrupled in my time. The, the growth is slowing down, which means our process and procedures last a little bit longer. <clears throat> but back when I was, you know, back when I first started in sales, probably five years ago, six years ago, um, we were changing and changing and changing and changing. And we made a lot of mistakes. We lost customers. We gained customers. But our, our core value at all if is to um, basically maintain that family feel and, um, and have every customer feel like they're not just a number. And I know in other companies, um, it's hard to maintain that. But for us, even though we've grown a lot, I feel everyone in the business does still maintain that belief and that, that effort to make sure that whatever customer, if they're renting a 19 foot scissor lift or they're renting a you know, 16 ton Magni telehandler, spending five grand, six grand a week or, or $200, they're treated the same <clears throat> because they're all just as important. It's like, you know, looking at the business, you've got your spray painter and, and your yard hand, you've got your manager, you've got your salespeople, you've got your account. Everyone's just as important as one another. And so we, we try to spread that from the inside out so our customers get that feeling as well. You're quite unique because I don't know that many companies in Australia that do forklifts and access equipment. It's, it's uh, usually people are more specialized. So did the business evolve in terms of the products that they uh, were renting as well? Absolutely. So Bruce Kretschmer started the business in 1998. And so he ran the business purely on forklifts. And the core of the business is long-term, you know, gas and electric forklifts in warehouses, you know, two, three, four, five-year deals um, that just tick over in the background. <clears throat> and then um, Bruce uh, got heavily involved in the Manitou product. Um, and he also got heavily involved in the Daiichi product. And so he had a, and still does, has a passion for telehandlers. That spread into Dean, his son. Um, and, and so the business, when I started, we probably had about, I'm guessing now, maybe 20 telehandlers. And I think now we've probably got um, maybe 200 or so in the fleet um, at a guess. And so, you know, the, the, the range has grown. The type of telehandlers um, that we, we supply has, has grown from your straight stick normal tellies to rotationals, which seems to be quite popular at the moment. Um, 
and our access fleet has grown rapidly. <clears throat> you know, so we started with a couple of 19 foot scissor lifts and we're up to the 135 foot knuckle booms and the 180 foot knuckle booms um, that, you know, it's, if a customer needs the boom, they might need the fork as well. So where there's the demand, we've filled that gap. Light towels and generators is another one that we're, um, we're also stocking. Uh, we have some gentleman agreement dealerships for those products as well. And so in time, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll have some more solid dealerships to, to sell and rent the light tower and, gener and generator space um, and, and continue to grow and, and basically supply and support our customers for what they need. So if there's an event and they need a Manitou buggy, they're also going to need a generator and a light tower. So we say, right, well, why don't you just use us and we'll give you everything. And it's a convenience thing for them. Yeah, try and be that one-stop shop for for their requirements on the site. And and so if you are diversing into other products and you're you're running a branch, what are some of the challenges that you face in terms of maybe learning the new products and making sure that your staff have the knowledge of the new product as well? Because let's say someone's never rented a 19-foot scissor before and next second he's out on site and someone's asking about a JLG scissor lift, like what's the process there is there a lot of focus on training and product to make sure that they understand the 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 actual details of, of what they're actually hiring out yeah a really good example is um <clears throat> two days ago we had um our friends at skyjack uh come to our yard and train i basically had as many people in our team as possible from sales reps to service manager field service coordinator you know um, field service mechanics and our and our workshop mechanics involved in training on the Skyjack product, we stock a lot of it. And so as they bring out new products with different features and benefits and changes to the, um, to the actual item itself, it's important we know about it, like you said, so we can sell it and fix it uh, efficiently. So yes, that we, we do do training. Do we do it as much as, as what I personally would like? No. Do we do it across the brands as much as what we'd like? Um, no. Um, you know, in an ideal world, we could buy some time with cash and, um, and maybe stop the industry so we can get trained up and then go again. But the industry is so fast and so demanding for the benefit of the business. You know, if you've got guys ready to, to get machines out and, and go and hustle or get trained, it's, it's, a, it's like a bittersweet sort of thing. So we do train our guys but, um, and, and myself as well. But uh, yeah, diversifying into your generators and your light towers as well it was challenging and it still is challenging because I don't and, and um, you know, a lot of my team doesn't know those products, don't know those products as well as uh, our forklift range, our telehandler range and our access equipment range. But that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of it because we get to learn, we get to grow, we get to know more things. I've said to, to Dean and Bruce um, Kretschmer, our directors, that my journey with all lift has, has been like a... a, a not, not even a, um, a degree, but like a doctorate in, in life and business because the amount I've learned, um, you know, about products, machines, people, the industry, everything has just been insane. Like I've, I've been to uni, I've done a business degree, but this, this trumps that. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think a lot of people underestimate that. I, I had someone on the podcast that's the managing director of a company and I said, oh, you should you should be a mentor. You should be mentoring other people out there that are in your industry. And he was like, oh, maybe, could be, but I don't have a bachelor's degree. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like you, 
you own your own rental business, that, that trumps anything to do with any sort of bachelor degree. Like you know how to mentor, grow people up within that business, run a PL, run a balance sheet, buy machines, rent them out, sell them when you need to, manage the depreciation, all, all that stuff. You don't learn that just from one single bachelor's. And I think a lot of people, they put a little, like a, a label on the bachelor. I think, oh, I've got a bachelor now. That's going to solve all of my problems. Uh, where real world experience is, is really where it comes into it. And a lot of people in the hiring industry have a lot of real world experience. And they really need to think through that and remember that that's a really good skill to have. Who is that guy? He might need some uh, some mindset coaching on the side. <laughs> he might need to hook us up because that's a belief. That's a belief that really isn't serving him. Um, you know, from a mindset perspective, because people people count and discount. It's lenses that we look through, and he's discounting all of the things you just said and counting one piece of paper. Where if he reversed that, he would have the clarity, the confidence, the the whatever. Uh, to see that, yes, he could be a mentor. He could do more with his business. He could do X, Y, and Z because he's, he's, he's seeing the quality that he's actually got. You know, it takes balls to go out on your own and start a business, to go to the bank and borrow, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in the hope that you're going to get the, the gear out on rent, you know, on hire and, and, and get a return and grow. So, you know, um, that in itself is, is, um, it's crazy to see. And this is where my passion comes out because yes, you're, you're talking to a quality human being that has a lot to offer, but um, he can't see that. Yeah. And that's, that's probably a good transition to talk about what your side business is. So, so what is the, the, the brain play business and, and the mindset side, and maybe just give a little bit explanation on how you got into it and why you got into it. So Brainplay is a um, is a business, uh, a developmental coaching business. Okay, it's not a performance coaching business. Um, it's not a counselling business. It's not a psychology business. Although psychology is major major part, it's developmental coaching. And um, developmental coaching is is um, basically developing the individual and helping them mature out of you know, some old lenses, some old strategies, some old frames that, that they're using that's slowing them down or making life a little bit harder um, than what it should be. And it could be causing stress, anxiety, um, putting pressure on themselves, not being able to see so clear what they want, how to achieve what they want. Um, and so that's the basis of the business. Um, uh, how I got into it, um, I studied neuro-linguistic programming in 2015. And I studied this to become better in sales, to communicate better. And NLP is all about communication and the communication model. And so understanding um, myself better, understanding humans better and being able to read them, being able to adapt and build rapport, being able to match them, being able to lead them in a conversation helped me sell better and serve my customers even better. So I could see their problems you know, at the same time they can, or sometimes before to be able to then, you know, come up with solutions quicker, more effective, more like faster. Um, dealing with conflict on the phone was, it was another thing that was, um, like I said before, it was, it was challenging, you know? And so studying this and studying how humans behave has helped me um, basically serve people better and serve myself better and get myself out of the way and show up without bringing my shit to the table. And so um, I studied it then 
and then um, I was over in the UK having a conversation um, with my fiance as we're driving down the motorway heading towards Bath to see my brother <clears throat> from Scotland and we're just talking about life and she's like well you know what's your passion what what is your real your real drive you know football was it and I said look I, I love my job it's a fantastic job I could stick it out another 10-15 years no problems but I'm the type of person that just wants that little bit more that little bit more like we were saying earlier and she said well what about the your coaching your NLP and, and I said fuck I do love that I really have a and I've always had an interest into what people are thinking and you're never going to know what someone's thinking because sometimes they don't even know what they're thinking right but I've always had this drive and curiosity and um I re-engaged um, the, the coach that coached me back then in 2015. Um, and he coached me through a, uh, a coach and mentoring um, program that he runs through his business, the coaching room. You know, doing that, I started Brainplay. Uh, my first client uh, was I'm very, very lucky to have had him um, for about 18 months, which is one of our Socceroos. Um, and from then, I've coached probably a, a handful of Socceroos I've coached business people. Um, I was just on a, on a Zoom this morning coaching uh, someone over in Brazil, people all around the world. And, and with technology, I've been able to do that and reach those people. It's, it's, a, it's a side hustle right now. It's a passion. Um, and um, I want to reach as many people as I can to help them see through their lenses that aren't serving them. You know, I call it cutting through the crap, seeing through the bullshit. You know, if you're going to rock up and, and pump your chest out, there's a reason why you're rocking up and pumping your chest out. If you're going to come to work and you're going to be that controlling type, type manager, you know, micromanaging for your reasons, that's you getting in the way of, you know, the, the benefit and the, and the best interest of the business, you know, from a business perspective, from an athlete's perspective, being able to show up without any fear, for example, because a lot of people, you know, athletes do have fear and they have, funnily enough, professional athletes I've coached around the world believe that they're shit, that they are a shit athlete. But what's funny is that that's their motivation strategy to get to training and work their butt off. So their work ethic is insane because they believe they're shit, but they could have the same work ethic, believe they're good, walk out, you know, on the track or the field or whatever sport they're playing um, or, or the beach and surf and, and absolutely nail it without anything holding them back, helping them access flow state. So yeah, long story short, that, that's how I got into it. Um, and um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real passion. Something triggered me when, when you said something before, which was getting out of the way of yourself. I think that's a really good quote. That's a, it's a really good way of explaining to people, like get, get all the stuff that's sort of holding you back from stopping you from achieving your goals uh, and being the best version of yourself, which I think is a really, really good line. And then the second thing, I think it's important to explain to people what is the flow state? Like, like, what does that actually mean? Because I think a lot of listeners won't understand that. So uh, maybe just wanted to elaborate on what that means to somebody when they get into the flow state. So globally, flow state is, is, um, is, is, is maximum, maximum presence, <clears throat> which is all of you out of the way and you're turning up where there's no thinking going on. It's pure spaciousness inside your mind and your body. And then things are just happening. And so example, um, from my perspective as a goalkeeper, when I've been in flow state, I've been able to make saves without thinking. Whereas other times where I'm thinking about what I need to do to make the save, I've either missed it, it's gone in, or I've made the save, but it wasn't as easy or as comfortable or as effective as what it could have been if I was in flow state. 
And so, you know, some people I talk to, um, you know, that are in business, they ride push bikes or motorbikes or whatever it is, go snowboarding, but, but do these sports to, to stop thinking so much, you know, a quote that, uh, that Dean said, Dean Kretschmer said to me once was that when he goes out to ride his, uh, his motorbike, there's no phone on him. No one can contact him. He's just free. Right. And when you're concentrating, you're on the road, number one, worrying about the danger of, of riding a bike on the road. And then number two, um, you know, ju just having that freedom that there's, there's, there's access to flow state. And so as soon as you're getting in the way of, of yourself, and when you said these things holding you back, it's all us doing it. We do it. So I could be bringing fear into a meeting, fear of failing. I could be bringing in um, anxiousness into a sales pitch, for example. And that's me getting in the way of accessing flow state. But flow state is, like I said, it's this spaciousness. It's this um, basically 100% presence you know, and, and pure awareness that the biggest, the biggest superpower I think a human can have is, is awareness. And that's like a fifth person perspective. I won't go into perspectives because that's a whole nother conversation, but that's, that's this perspective where all you have is pure awareness. So you, you see the other person's perspective, you see yours, you see the timeline and everything that's gone involved into the event of a conversation with someone where all of that is, is included in your perspective. So there's, you know, the time, everything. And so all you have there is awareness and words just start to come out of your mouth and it's a pure you. Wow. So it seems like you, you're very, very passionate about helping others and you're very, very passionate about making sure that you've got the right mindset to be the best version of yourself. And I think do these two combinations of things really help you uh, with your current role within Allift, because it seems like you mentioned superpower. Like if you take yeah. these things and bring it to work, that almost seems like a superpower. If you can, if you can sort of harness that and and really allow yourself to be the best person you are at Allift as well. Mark, hundred percent. And that 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 was and is my 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 first focus. Right, Allift is my bread and butter. Allift is is my, 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 my main thing in my life. I spend more hours at Allift than I do at anything else in my life, including my wife, unfortunately. So um, yes, uh, the, the, the journey started with Allift and is still with Allift because that's where I can practice everything I'm learning. You know, the books I read, the courses I do, the, the mentoring I'm getting is straight away put into Allift because that's where I can make a better, a better team, a better business, uh, a better me, lead the team. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's transferred straight to Allift. The specifics of coaching is put into the coaching that I do. But, but what I learn in and around coaching, in dealing with people and how people work, um, understanding people, you know, at a surface level, structure, that's, that's what I put into, into work. And um, I've seen the results and, and I've, I've had feedback of, of results being um, visible. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I think uh, in the last two years when I, when I really got into the coaching, um, I feel I've, I've matured and grown uh, quite a bit. That's awesome. And so you obviously got to where you are by being influenced by other people as well and putting a lot of personal time to, to investigate and learn. Who, who do you think played a big influence on you from a mentor perspective? A mentor perspective from when I started at Allift or? 
Well, I think there's, I, I think there's a couple of things here. You've got the mental perspective on who guided you to become the an, a professional athlete and then who guided you to become the person you are today at All Lift. <clears throat> okay, so um, the guidance I had to become the, the athlete and the goalkeeper that I was was uh, John Crawley. John Crawley um, is a, a very good friend of mine and John, John taught me a lot and he... He, he was, I mean, he's done a psychology degree. He's now our Socceroos goalkeeper coach. He was, he's, he's coached, uh, you know, professional teams. He's, uh, he's played overseas. He's brought a philosophy and had the balls to implement a philosophy from South America, specific of goalkeeping, into Australia where it was the unknown. And that's proved to be, you know, super, super successful with our top, you know, handful of goalkeepers that are in the national team and the national team setup are basically all bred through John Crawley's philosophy. And that's, that's from a technical perspective, but, you know, he, he's offered, um, you know, the, the mindset side of things where it's, it's resilience, it's hard work. It's, um, you know, being able to get yourself out of the way. I remember a time um, when I was younger, I was, I was in a bit of a state and I was, I was putting things on Facebook and he saw this, this comment that I made or a post I made and he just pulled me aside and said, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, that's the, uh, the holding of the mirror that I needed and I appreciate it. It helped me grow up and see what I was doing. And so he's definitely helped me from a, um, a, a, a goalkeeper, but also a human being perspective to, you know, be the best me I can be. And since joining All Lift, this is interesting because I haven't had a mentor since starting at All Lift, I, I lived overseas. I came back and I have I joined the team. Like I said, as a spray painter, fully unqualified. All I knew was football, and I had a degree and stuff, but um, wasn't being used. And it was only in the last few years that I realised. I was like, yes, I've I've been successful within the company, and and the success of the company has helped me, you know, be me and and learn everything and grow as I have. But I was like, I don't have a mentor. And I did when I was playing. And so I thought about it and I looked around and I searched and that's when I re-engaged. Um, I actually engaged a business coach. I won't say who, but that only lasted about eight weeks. And then I engaged and, and reached out to, to Jay Headley from the coaching room and um, doing the, the last course I did and, and getting the mentoring from him. That's been a big help. Um, you know, I've, uh, yeah, it's, it's so important to get the right people around you. Um, and so I'd say the mentoring has been from him. I'd say loosely, very loosely. I've had mentoring from, um, uh, from Bruce, Bruce Kretschmer, but nothing, nothing to the um, level that, that anyone needs to, to really get the best out of themselves. And, and you talk to, um, you know, any, any professional athlete, any successful business person, they've had a mentor or a coach or someone and, and, and a team of, of amazing people around them to help them grow. Because if you don't have them around you, you can only do so much. I feel like so many people in the business world are like stuck on the merry-go-round or stuck on the treadmill of doing their day-to-day -day job. <laughs> and they don't even think about like what it means to have a mentor. And I would, I would almost say like, I'd say most people probably don't have a mentor. They might have a mentor that's a manager, that's someone that's sort of helping them, but they don't have someone that they can actually talk about what some of their goals are, how they're going towards those goals, what are some of the challenges. 
I really think it's something that people don't talk about as much as they probably should be. Couldn't agree more, Mark. I mean, um, it's also important to differentiate between a mentor, a coach, a friend, um, you know, a lover, you know, d- differentiate the role that that person plays in for you in your life. Coaching and mentoring, completely different. Different types of coaching, again, you know, you've got performance coaching. That would be, let's say, Usain Bolt, he's got his coach to coach him how to run faster, right? That's different to developmental coaching, which looks at what he's doing and the strategies he's doing in his my own mindset that hold him back from his best self. And then you get a mentor that says, come on, Usain, you know, you're doing really well, but this is, you know, I think you should be doing this. And that's where the advice starts to creep in. Um, if you're lucky enough to get one of each around you, you'll be fucking successful fucking quickly, you know, and, and you'll hit what you want like without, with a lot more ease. Hey, um, there's been times in, in my career at all if where I've felt like I was the guy at the back of the scrum, just pushing, 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 because I wanted it so bad, but I didn't have that, that energy and that, um, that, that toward motivation, that, that, that pull towards where I was more away from motivation, meaning playing a worst case scenario movie in my mind away from, you know, not having a job or, you know, the worst kind of scenario happening. And that motivated me to go push, push, push. But now that I've got, you know, um, some, some support structure around me, um, I have this this energy that pulls me towards, which is so much nicer, so much easier and more enjoyable. And it's that it's that faith in in the process, that faith that there is some crazy shit that goes out and goes on in the universe that makes things happen for you when you've got the right, you know, the right head on your shoulders, the right vision, the right mindset. And so when you get that recipe right, you you receive back what you put out. And so unfortunately some people put out shit and they get shit yeah i like that so what they put out because i think in combination with that it's about making time for yourself and making time to actually make yourself better because a lot of people they, they, they literally let's just call it personal development they allocate an hour a month for that and then that hour a month might be just on YouTube videos of watching people motivational speak <laughs> like you, you know it, it's it's something that i really do think that a lot of people don't understand on on it. It, it is a form of like a, a superpower, like you mentioned, to, to make yourself better. If, if you can master what these combination of things can do for you and putting a little bit of extra effort in, how much further you, you can become both pro- professionally and personally. And that, that's exactly what I've seen for, for me in the last couple of years. I've put in the effort, I'm seeing results and um, it's like this upward spiral. I feel really good. My health's in great order. Uh, and and I've, I'm lucky enough to be sitting in front of people uh, coaching them through and they're, they're, they're trusting me. They're, they're spending their heartbeats with me to, to better themselves, you know? Um, and I just feel really, really lucky to do that. And then bringing that into the workspace, um, I do feel this, there's a huge level of responsibility to, to run a business. And um, it's not my business, but I, I treat it like my own business and I treat the people like my own family. You know, there's some days where, um, you know, my performance as a manager isn't where I want it to be, you know, and, and I'm a human being, I'm not perfect. But to continue to grow myself um, from a personal development perspective, it just means I can show up better for the, for the people around me and I can have better relationships, deeper relationships, 
the experiences are going to be greater um, and, a, and a richer, richer kind of feeling of life. Bringing, bringing that into, into work, it just made, when you said that, triggered the, um, the, the leadership thing that I've been thinking about as well as we've been talking. And um, there's a few different types of leadership. <clears throat> the first type out of three is, uh, is self-leadership. You know, it's getting yourself right, learning about yourself and, and understanding what makes you uh, work well, what makes you, you know, um, pissed off if that's what it is and what makes you be able to show up and, and, and be the best you. And then the next level of leadership is leading other people. And then that's quite self-explanatory, leading the team. You know, I'm going to work hard. You work hard. They see you get there early. They get there early. Um, you know, you work till 5 p.m. You're meant to finish at 3.30. You know, they might stay back till 4. That, that, that's small levels of leadership. And then the next level is, is, um, is, is basically the development of the people around you. So you've got your shit sorted. You're, you're leading them through your habits and patterns that you're doing, which is outside your awareness. You just rock up early. You work hard. That's just your base level standard. Uh, that's where the bar's set. And then because that's your, your, your habitual stuff outside your attention field, you can then show up for other people and have the conversation and say, what's going on for you? Are you feeling a little stressed? And that's a level of leadership that, um, you know, I've only been doing it a short amount of time, but I can see results. I can see my relationships with my teammates down here in Melbourne getting better and stronger. There's trust, there's rapport. And, and for me, it, it's enjoyable, you know, it's, it's, it's more true, it's more real, no bullshit. That's awesome. And so with all that in mind, how do you define success? And maybe what was the defining moment for you so far? Um, for me, for me, if you asked me 10 years ago, what success was, I'd say, winning the grand final or making that next team, or, you know, it would be the achieving right? The achieving something. But for me, success is, is being able to be you in any moment and being able to respond to a situation or an, I call it an external event. So it could be someone saying something, it could be something dropping, it could be a car crash in front of you or someone driving like an idiot or, you know, whatever it is, but the external event, success is being able to, to respond to that rather than react. React means that you've, you're acting out the shit that you've done before and there's been no change or growth. But being able to respond purely means that you've got yourself out of the way, you've seen what's going on and you're choosing how you want to respond to that. And that could be sitting in a very, very important business meeting. It could be dealing with, um, you know, uh, disciplining somebody at work, you know, from a managerial perspective. It could be having that conversation where you need to talk about a formal warning. It could be um, a pay review and having the ability to respond to whatever it is that you're that it's been said in that pay review. Fucking back yourself and get what you want out of it. You know, become the king negotiator. And so, um, being able to show up. I think uh, is, is success because from that, everything else sorts itself out. Yeah, that's great. All right, Matt. Well, look, I really want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for having me on the, on the show and um, hopefully another time in the future. Please like, share, follow the Rental Journal podcast and I'll see everyone in next week's episode.